Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. What is up, everybody? We are back with an all-new episode of the Nosebleeds Podcast, talking Mets, talking Yankees. Going around the league as well on this trade deadline day. We are recording on August 31st. This episode will be out on September 1st. I'm Jimmy Sullivan, joined today by Dylan Balsamo. Dylan, how are you doing today? I am wonderful. It is great to be on with you, James. It's great to be with you all the time, James. Good. Uh, It's good to be with you, too. And uh, let's get right into it. Uh, I think we have to start with the New York Mets. And they made a handful of buzzer-beating trade deadline deals today. Uh, They have acquired a total of three players across two deals. Now, we don't have all the details yet, uh, but some of those might come out over the course of this podcast. Uh, But the important stuff to know is that they got Robinson Chirinos, Todd Frazier, and Miguel Castro across two separate deals. Chirinos and Frazier come from the Rangers. Miguel Castro is a reliever for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, The Mets gave up a pitching prospect by the name of Kevin Smith, who pitched in double-A last year in that deal. Um, And they are also giving up a player to be named later. So we will see uh, who that is at some point down the line. But Dylan, a handful of Mets moves, and I would be remiss not to mention they lost again today, so they are 15 and 20. Um, But a handful of Mets moves with 25 games to go in the 2020 season uh, what do you make of, of what they did today? Well, in this season, more than any other one, Jimmy, it's, it's, it's very difficult, really any point in the year, to try and figure out where you are in this wildcard era. But when, when everything's as wide open as it is right now, I mean, the Mets are technically in contention. They're in fourth place right now, five games under 500. Is this 1994 or something? Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> but at the end of the day, and we should also mention that um, – Todd Frazier coming back to the Mets. Uh, we were just, my family and I were just talking earlier. My brother was the one who broke the news that Todd Frazier was coming back to the Mets. And my mom uh, said, oh, I didn't realize he left. It was, it was just such a short period of time he was gone. It's, it's very peculiar. Um, but it's, it's very odd. I mean, are the Mets a good team right now? I don't know. Does this make them a better team? Maybe. Uh, they didn't give up too much for these guys. And, you know, you look at a guy like Miguel Castro and, you know, we all know the Mets need a reliever. Uh, that's become almost their, uh, their cattle call over these last couple of years. Uh, so I, I make it a good day for the Mets in terms of trading. Yeah. I mean, Castro is probably the biggest net positive in this because you, know, you said the Mets need a reliever. I disagree. I think they need like three or four. Um, because we watched them yeah. yesterday. We watched the Mets yesterday with two outs in the bottom of the seventh in the first game of, of a seven inning doubleheader. They're up seven to two, and they wind up giving up five runs. 
uh, and the game winds up being tied at seven, and they lose the game at the bottom of the eighth to the Yankees. So, uh, yes, they need a reliever. Um, Edwin Diaz right now is the closer, and and he is uh, he's been for the most part pretty good. And then yesterday happened. Let's just put it that way. Um, but you brought up an interesting point about how hard it is to know um, whether you're good or not in this short season. Because if you look around at some of the teams that would be in the playoffs right now, if the season ended today, I mean, you're looking at like the Marlins, the Rockies, it's nothing against those teams. And you have other teams that are also in contention that let's just say you wouldn't think about as being teams in contention over 162. But you look at those teams, it's like, are they one of the top half of the league? Because that's what it is this year, is 16 teams yeah. making the playoffs. So you got half the league's going to be in, right? And, you know, are they one of the top 50 percentile of teams in the league? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, maybe the Rockies are, but the Marlins, I mean, they lost like two weeks due to COVID. And then they had, you know, uh, they're, they're back now, and, and now they're kind of falling back to earth. And, but then, I mean, you got other teams involved. Like, I mean, you look in the American League, you got a team like the White Sox. I mean, are they good enough? Yeah, probably. And it's not to pick on the White Sox, and they're definitely not the best example. But you have teams that are up there that maybe shouldn't necessarily be up there. And then you've got teams that are down that you would have thought were better, and that's where the Mets come into play here. Because you – looked at the Mets going into the season, you're like, wow, they got a chance to be really good. Uh, because if the pitching pans out and guys stay healthy, and again, the, the Mets, the game of Mets fandom is if, 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 if. But if, if those things panned out. You, be, you become like a crazy mathematician. You're like, okay, so if this comes here, and then you're like drawn on a chalkboard, you're like, a, you're like Will Hunting. What's the, <laughs> yeah, I am like Will Hunting. What's the, uh, the meme from the hangover where Galifianakis is like figuring oh, out thing, and then they show him like writing down because he keeps winning at the, the poker table. Yeah. That's how I, that's how I feel now. But anyway, um, you know, you're trying to figure out where you're at and, and you figured if these things panned out, the bets would be good. Now, a lot of them have not, you're going to get zero innings out of Marcus Stroman this year. And you thought he was going to be, you know, your number three starter, probably. Steven Matz has been awful and is now on the IL after his first appearance in like two weeks this past weekend. Um, you know, you've had assorted issues in the bullpen. Seth Lugo's starting games now, and he was supposed to be kind of like your roving reliever. So, Dylan, a lot of things have not panned out for the Mets, and they make a series of kind of supplemental moves today. Um, in this 2020 season, is, that, as you said, is very unpredictable. Um, and you know, today might be a minor win for the Mets, but uh, is it going to make them good enough to make the playoffs? That's, that's the question that I'm going to have. Absolutely. I think we all have that question. You know, teams that really feel they have a shot at this, if you look at the 2015 Mets, um, a team that, you know, even if they were not the best team in the league, they felt very magical. It felt like something was happening, and it did happen. Uh, but it, it, if you remember the day they acquired Yoannis Cespedes, who was a whole other thing to talk about this season. <laughs> um, but if you remember that day, there's that feeling of, oh, there's really something here. There's a, there's not only a belief in the front office, but like, this is a moment. This is like, this is a, this is a hallmark of the season. And you know, nothing against Todd Frazier. You know, you and I are both Jersey guys, as is he. But Todd Frazier's from New Jersey. 
Did you know that? Did you know he really? was on the Tom's River Little League World Series baseball team? That's interesting to me. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. But um, at the end of the day, I love Todd Frazier, but he's no Yoan Cespedes in this situation. Uh, so it, th- today is not a day of euphoria for the Mets in any way. Um, you know, at least it's something. It's something. I, I suppose that's that's what you have to look forward to. It's something. And, and it's the one thing I was happy they didn't do was they were talking about trading for Christian Vasquez, the catcher for the Red Sox. And I'm sitting here thinking, all right, Steve Cohen's going to buy this team any day now, and he's going to have control in October. Just throw the Brinks truck at Real Muto in the offseason. Like, it, it's, a, it's such a simple call. <laughs> it really is. I, if anything, it's, even if throwing the money at Real Muto is not the, the most strategic option, and who's to say what it is, at least it's the Steinbrennian option, where you're, you're letting people know, like, Oh, we're here to spend money and win games. And, you know, it, it, they just don't seem like that right now. And, you know, not to mention there are a lot of things in the way. Uh, you know, you talked about Edwin Diaz hasn't been terrible this year, but it's worth mentioning that we learned today that um, the Mets have tried uh, training for him and, uh, and nobody wants him. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a difficult situation that through the years they've put themselves in. It's not the result of a bad 2020. It's the result of a poorly managed 2019 and, and a poorly managed 2018. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, it makes you very hopeful for uh, the Cohen era. Uh, but today's not a, today's not a special day in Mets history by any, by any you mean means. Just, you mean to say Chiritos and Frazier isn't special? I <laughs> know. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they are. And I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're fine guys, but uh you know, I'm not, I'm not jumping up and down. You know, they're five games under 500. They're 12th in the National League. You know, if you're 12th in the National League on August 31st, you're waiting for the guys to come up for the 40-man roster. Like, that becomes the big point of your season in, in a regular year. And even in this 2020 kind of year, I, you know, it's not – I'm not sitting here uh, – uh, saying the rosary out of thanks. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and people were talking about the Mets as a contender this season, but they are far closer to the Pirates as the worst team in the National League than the Dodgers, who have the best record in baseball. Uh, I just want to deconstruct a couple of things, get into the, the nitty-gritty of these deals before we move on. Um, Kevin Smith, the prospect they gave up for Miguel Castro, uh, topped out at A last year. Uh, pitched to a 3.45 ERA in six starts at Binghamton this year, obviously not playing this year uh, due to the pandemic, the cancellation of the minor league season. Uh, Miguel Castro is a reliever for the Orioles, or at least was, uh, has a four ERA, and our resident Orioles expert, of course, is Jackson Heil. So I immediately consulted his Twitter uh, when I I saw this move, and he said, uh, if Mets fans don't like Edwin Diaz, Wait until they get a load of Miguel Castro. He is a light version of Edwin Diaz with twice the amount of panic attacks. Um, so that's a fun, that's a, a fun description. And then he uh, quote tweeted his own tweet and said, that isn't to say Castro is bad. His stuff is electric. And when he locates, he's virtually untouchable. His command, unfortunately, is all over the place. You know, I don't think the Mets had enough of those in the bullpen. Just, no, if they no, locate... <laughs> If there's anything the Mets need, it's a guy who just needs to fix like one or two things. 
Yeah. And then you're playing the if game again. And you're like, oh. <laughs> That's how it goes, right? Just a ton of ifs. Um, it's it's unfortunate. Mets are also playing the Orioles tomorrow. Uh, Castro is 25 years old. He has a couple of years of arbitration coming up. Uh, getting into uh, Frazier and Chirinos. Frazier's hitting about 240 this year. Has played in most of, if not all, of the games for the Rangers. Uh, he started at third base over there. He started all but two games for the Rangers. Um, I don't think he's going to play every day unless J.D. Davis is out for an extended period of time because he just got hurt over the weekend. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, and then Robinson Chirinos uh, has 49 plate appearances this year. And in those 49 plate appearances, five hits and 12 strikeouts. So um, we'll see. We'll see how that, uh, that winds up uh, working out for the Mets. But I think the, the larger theme here, and by the way, the last week for the Mets was, was crazy, right? Brody, hot mic. So incident, much. The, the roller coaster of emotions in the Yankees series where you win the doubleheader on Friday, lose on a wild pitch on Saturday, and then do what you did on Sunday. Uh, but I, I think the general theme here is that, um, and also the, the ownership stuff, uh, this is an organization in chaos. Like, there's no other way to put it. I mean, you've got crazy stuff going on. And uh, you've got a, a, a GM talking on a hot mic about how Rob Manfred just doesn't get it, uh, which was, by the way, I think one of, like, three things Brody has done right since taking over. And he had to apologize My goodness, for yeah. it. But, <laughs> yeah, what a, what, a cra- what a crazy time for the Mets, huh? I, mean, well, this is I think – I think you were the – you might have been the one who said this. Was it to me or I don't know when you said it, but I think you were the one who said the, the Mets took all the uh, chaos they have in a calendar year and they've squeezed it into two months so far, which is, like, honestly impressive. Um, but, you know, most teams, uh, when your manager is fired after a week of having him well before the season starts because of – the biggest cheating scandal in a hundred years. That would usually be your biggest story of the year, right? I forget about that most every day, just because there's so much happening. It's it's absurd, um, and it, it it makes you it om- it almost makes you excited for the year to end. So we're like, all right, Cohen's going to take over, and things are hopefully going to be better. Hopefully is the operative. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You, you you cross your fingers there, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's kind of like when your when your favorite shows uh, when when you have you know a typical season and it's like thirteen episodes and then the next season they go down to eight so they have to like condense it like that's what the Mets have done this year like just crap think, all the craziness into into sixty games. It's precisely what they did. That's exactly what they did. So. Yeah, interesting times with the Mets, to say the least. Uh, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, quickly, let's just move over to the Yankees. Uh, honestly, not too much to talk about with them because they didn't do anything. Uh, no real moves today. They have been linked to Lance Lynn and, and possibly more of a long shot possibility to Starling Marte, uh, but he actually got traded to the Marlins. Um, so you have a Yankees team that right now uh, is has, had been struggling uh, until they – played the Mets, uh, got a couple of eh, not pretty wins necessarily, but wins nonetheless. They're three and a half behind the Tampa Bay Rays uh, for first place in the AL East, still dealing with a plethora of injuries. 
Uh, Dylan, let me ask, were you surprised that the Yankees didn't make at least a minor move to kind of try to uh, improve themselves at this trade deadline? I was expecting at least a minor move. In fact, in fact, in fact, uh, in fact, right before we started taping this, I just checked uh, the Yankees transactions one more time just to be sure because it didn't make any sense to me, especially considering, you know, the team, you know, they had a good series against the Mets, but they're also three and seven in the last 10 games. Uh, you know, they're not the team they were at the beginning of the season, whether that be for injuries or for the fact they've fallen off or for whatever reason. Uh, so that does surprise me a little bit. Uh, you know, they'll play the Rays tonight who are ahead of them. You know, the Rays are really good right now. They're 18 of the last 21. Uh, and they just made a trade today, didn't they? Uh, yeah. Um, they traded Jose Martinez. Right, yeah. Uh, for uh, our favorite uh, player in baseball, uh, the player to be named later. Uh, so, uh, you know, Garrett Cole's on the mound tonight for the Yankees. So we'll see, you know, what pans from that. Garrett Cole being on the mound kind of has a strange way of uh, fixing things for the Yankees a lot of times. Uh, that's, yeah. that's, that's, uh, that's their biggest uh, hope right now, that he can kind of steady the ship. They've had issues with their pitching. Uh, the Rays making that move for Jose Martinez was actually to, to free up uh, some time for some of their other guys, particularly Randy Arozarena. Uh, who is one of their young DHs. They have a crazy amount of depth. We could talk about that for hours. I love the Rays. But uh, <laughs> they every year they, they give you something fascinating. It's like it's like Joe Madden left behind his little uh his little book of like keep things interesting and they just keep doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were actually I'm not saying this to brag, they were my pick for the World Series this year. Um and break here break there and and things are actually looking okay right now they got uh i think the best record in the american league i could be wrong on that i'm just gonna check to make sure but uh yeah they're looking really good you're wrong but anyway uh go go back to the yankees uh because that's what we're talking about here uh no minor moves even for them Uh, they had been linked to a couple of guys like cameron mabin um there was some conjecture about possibly archie bradley the reliever uh from the diamondbacks he got traded elsewhere as well um, there were guys out there to be had, um, whether it was in the bullpen, which has been obviously a point of contention. I think more so, I don't know how you feel about this, but the bullpen for the Yankees has more been an issue of not so much who's in the bullpen, but how Aaron Boone has managed it. I, I think that's a, a much bigger issue because I do think they have the right guys in that bullpen when everyone is healthy. And obviously that's mm-hmm. not happening right now. But Aaron Boone uh, has made, let's just call them some questionable decisions managing that bullpen. And I think that might continue no matter who they would have had in the bullpen or if they would have made a move today. Yeah. Well, in the last couple of years, whenever Boone makes a questionable move, we've been able to kind of say, well, you know, he's never managed before. So we can uh, we can kind of shove it off. The, this is year number three now. So, you know, <laughs> the terrible twos are done you got to know what you're doing at this point, but you know, I give the Yankees credit for uh, to not make any moves is sending a message. I think not only to the fans and not only to baseball, but specifically to the team itself. We trust this team. We trust what they can do. And you know, (laughs) they're a good team. Uh, No one's going to doubt that Uh, when they're, when they're all there, they're a pretty strong ball club. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a strong opinion to have, but uh it does send some kind of message, but yeah, I also question some of Aaron Boone's moves, specifically in the bullpen. You know, who knows? 
Yeah, and, and we saw that on Saturday. He pulls Jay Happ after seven innings. Put that about Avino in. First batter, Wilson Ramos. Boom, home run down the left field line. So uh, that was, that was a, just another questionable move. But, um, you know, it's my counterpoint to what you said on the Yankees, and I don't even think we necessarily disagree here, but it's that this is a couple of, of years in a row, and it was more so, I think, last year when there were some bigger moves at the deadline, like Zach Greinke going to Houston. But it's the second straight year where they haven't really done anything. And they get to the playoffs last year, and there were some areas where they were just deficient, whether that was because of injuries or, you know, playing a team like the Astros, who was just a little bit better. And maybe that little bit could have been made up by a a deadline move where maybe you don't have to give up too much. Or or maybe maybe you do, but the thing to remember also with the Yankees is that they have such a stash of prospects. They can afford to make some moves. Um, Yeah. We saw that with the Padres, who we'll get into in a moment. But they have the guys in the minor league system, which is still, I I think, one of the best farm systems in baseball where they can throw a couple of those guys into a move because this is win now right now for the Yankees. I know 2020 is weird, but the expectations are huge for the Yankees this year, next year, and beyond. Um, And so to not maximize that window with by, by using some of the pieces that you have in reserve right now I have a hard time justifying that. That's where I don't understand where Brian Cashman has come from the last couple of years. Yeah, no, it, it does make you question. And you're right. You know, no matter what year it is, you know, the goal is to win, especially when you're a team that not only has the talent up at the major league level, but all over the minor leagues like the Yankees do. And that's just the kind of organization that you're almost required to have when you have the money and the power that the Yankees do. There really is no excuse to have anything but that. And you're right, they absolutely could have benefited specifically in the last two years from having just one extra guy who they had gotten at the deadline. Um, and, you know, they were supposed to win in 2018, supposed to win in 2019. If they, if, if they, don't, they don't get to the World Series this year, that's, that's a real question. That's a, it's time to really question what's happening, not only for Aaron Boone or Brian Cashman, but just the organization in general. It's like, what are you doing? Uh, you know, the, if the Yankees of 50 years ago would have won four times over by now. It's just, you know, uh, and of course the league is different, but that's just beside the point. But yeah, I, you're right. I don't think we disagree on this. There should have been something. I'm surprised there wasn't. And it wouldn't have required a lot. You know, it's no, not even like Cameron Mabin got traded to the Cubs and I haven't seen the full terms, but it wasn't uh, – it was not a lot to give up for a guy who, you know, has been on the Yankees recently and that could have been a reunion and and he could have given them some depth and we know they're dealing with injuries right now. So that, that would have been a a move to make. I think the, the world series or bus stuff is maybe lessened just a little bit because 2020 is so weird with the expanded playoffs and, You know, you're going to, you're going to have teams in the playoffs that are going to be under 500, like what we see with the NBA every year. It's going to be the same thing. Um, But it's still a lot of the, the same ideas, at least from the fan base. And that's what the expectation is going to be from Yankees fans. So I think that frustration is going to spill over if they don't win it all this year. And I have a lot of concerns that they, that they won't. And that's ultimately, that's why I didn't pick them in the first place. Um, Yeah. And a lot, a lot of the injuries have come to fruition for him. 
Yeah, and you talked about, uh, we mentioned Starling Marte earlier, who is now a, a Miami Marlin. Um, I think Starling Marte would have been a great, just quick addition to the Yankee team. It would have at least been something. Um, and they certainly, they certainly had the materials, like we talked about, to get Starling Marte. You know, I, I like to think they were possibly in that conversation, but who knows what happens behind closed doors. So, you know, there was there was plenty of options, and, you know, time's up. You did nothing. Yeah, and that's where the Yankees are going, standing pat. See how it works out. I'm a little bit skeptical. But one more team we want to talk about is, I think, the most exciting team in baseball right now, if not the best, but definitely the most exciting. That's the San Diego Padres because they they made uh, a flurry of moves over the last couple of days, and uh, I'm going to miss some of them. So uh, forgive me in terms of uh, the guys that they were able to pick up. But off the top of my head, uh, Mike Clevenger from the Cleveland Indians, who's most famous perhaps for breaking coronavirus protocols a few weeks ago. Um, And now he uh, gets himself rewarded for bad behavior, seemingly. Uh, But that's all right. So he gets traded to the Padres, uh, and they help their rotation in that way. Uh, They also trade for Austin Nola uh, from the Seattle Mariners. Uh, That happened late last night and into this morning. That was a seven-player deal because it was Jerry Depoto and A.J. Preller, and that's what they do. Um, They had previously uh, added Trevor Rosenthal and Mitch Moreland. So, uh, Dylan, this is a haul for the San Diego Padres. Uh, And also they added a, a catcher, Jason Castro, as well. But this is an absolute haul for the San Diego Padres, and they are going all in on this season and, and trying to make it potentially a deep playoff run where they feel like with the best young player in baseball and Fernando Tatis Jr., they feel like they can go ahead and try to win a World Series this year. They certainly do, and there's no reason for them not to, honestly. I think this is fantastic. You know, this is great for the year of 2020 for this to be happening. At least one team put all their chips in and I'm going for it. You know, you look at the Padres right now. They're five games behind the Dodgers in the National League West. They're five games behind the best team in baseball. They have a three-game lead over um, the wild card, if you will. So they're the best non-division leader in all the National League right now. And, you know, no one's saying they're going to catch up to the Dodgers in the next month to win the division. And they don't have to, which is what's great about this. You know, they are... The, they definitely won the trade deadline. I don't think anyone's going to debate that. I think they made more improvements than anybody. And you're right, Fernando Tatis Jr. is just so fun to watch. He just he gets the results. This is going to be a wonderful month for the Padres and beyond the month, hopefully. Yeah, and I can't wait to watch them in the playoffs. I, for one, don't like Tatis only because he swung 3-0 and with this team having a big lead. So, uh, I, I, How dare he disrespect the rules that are not written down. That totally altered my opinion of him forever. Um, <laughs> unsubscribed. Yeah, unsubscribed, unfollowed, blocked. They're in, in second in the NL West right now. First and second is, is like the same thing this year, basically, because the top two teams in each division are going to make the, the playoffs. The Cardinals are in second place in the NL Central right now at 12 and 13. The Marlins are in second place in the NL East right now at 15 and 15 uh, to show you how backwards the season is. But the Padres are short a playoff spot right now. They would be the four seed right now uh, in the playoffs. And 
it'll, it'll be interesting also when you, when you go ahead and think about the postseason, right? It's probably going to be played in a bubble um, because, you know, baseball could say all they want about, oh, we want to play at home sites. We want to do this. We want to do that. There's nothing that offers the protection quite like you're all going to this place. We're going to lock it down for a handful of days and then we're going to play. Um, so I think that's what baseball is going to wind up doing. So you don't have, it's not like, you know, I go ahead and look at it and it's like, oh God, they're going to have to go to, you know, Dodger stadium or Wrigley. And that's, you know, jarring for a young team. They're not going to have to deal with any of that. It's, it's going to be them against whoever they play round one and then through the playoffs, hopefully. And, you know, I've kind of tipped my hand that I would like to see them make a run because I I like watching them. Um, but it's, it's not, they're not going to have to deal with a lot of the pitfalls that young teams face in the playoffs. And so I think that's, that's going to be an advantage for them. In addition to also getting some of these veteran guys who I think can really help them out both in the clubhouse and helping guide a lot of these young guys through. Um, and they already have Manny Machado, by the way. I totally forgot to mention that. But guiding, oh, yeah, that's right. uh, <laughs> getting a lot of these young guys through, um, through a postseason when some of these players have, have never been through that before. So I think, I think that's big. Yeah. You mentioned uh, being a young playoff team. I have this rule, and there are exceptions in, in all sports. But the first year that you make things click as a team, like when you, ha- when you have a big off-season splash, that's usually not the year you, you win it all. It's just it's not what happens. If you look at history through most of the four sports, that's just what happens. I mean, look at the Nationals last year. I mean, they've exactly. been at it for years. Exactly. It takes a couple, takes a couple uh, knocks at the tree first, um, not to upset any tree huggers. But – if you look at not only the, the way that this happened very organically, the, the Padres make all these moves, the talent they already have, the fact that we'll probably be playing in a bubble and they don't have to go to Dodger Stadium, they don't have to go across the country. None of that's going to happen. Not to mention that in this crazy year that feels like a chapter of the Old Testament, I am not taking anything off the table. This Padres team could do anything. I have a lot of faith in them now. Last question for you. Which book of the Old Testament were you basing this year on? I know I put you on the spot. It's a a great question. I'm going to have to think about that. Mm, I don't know. You have one? No, I don't. (laughs) That's why I was (laughs) asking you. (laughs) So the Padres make uh, big moves. Uh, Last number I want to give is that they had the number two farm system in baseball coming into this year. They called from that farm system to get some of the guys they've picked up over the last couple of days. Um, so they had the capital in that department to uh, get some of these big time pieces. They were able to do that. Uh, and AJ Preller, who's the uh, GM of the Padres, I, I we were talking before, and I kind of compared him to like Bernie Van Wagenen, where AJ Preller, I think, is what Bernie Van Wagenen wants to be. Um, and he exactly. made a lot of mistakes early on. Like that 2015 team flopped really hard. And they were a disaster in his first year. And yeah. I, I kind of made the joke that it's, it's Brody and Preller. It's, it's like the meme where it's like me versus the guy she told me not to worry about. Um, and it's kind of like, exactly like that. But Preller is a, a total rock star, uh, huge splashy moves. I don't know how they're going to work out, but uh, this team is a contender now. Uh, thanks to some of these young guys coming up and we'll see how it winds up going uh, into the future this year. I'll say this. Compared to him, Brody Van Wagenen just doesn't get it. (laughs) At at leadership level.
Thank you. At a leadership level. And I think that's where we should end. I agree with you there. This is another episode <laughs> of Nosebleeds, Mets, Yankees, Padres, all making moves or not making moves in some cases. We will see you next time for my partner, Dylan Balsamo. I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Thank you so much for listening.